This is the Three Things Podcast. I'm Glenn Kubish in Edmonton. Thanks for stopping by. of the pod is that there might be some good to be manufactured out of trying to notice, remember, and then record three things from my little life that left behind tracks of happiness and gratitude. This week, number one, strong ads. I enjoy a good ad. I think I get this from my Edmonton grandmother. She would watch TV commercials as if they were part of the show we were actually watching. And she'd laugh out loud at a clever line or a twist ending to a commercial. She never got tired of the client's surprise when Madge, the manicurist, told her she was soaking in it. Dishwashing liquid? It's palm olive. Mild? Over the years, I've looked under the hood of advertisements to try to figure out what makes commercials tick. Tony Schwartz has been a reliable mechanic. Schwartz was the brains behind one of the most memorable political ads in U.S. history, the infamous Daisy spot that targeted Barry Goldwater. Without ever mentioning him by name. Decades ago, Schwartz used the term resonance, still so popular these days, to distinguish between ads that ring a belief or a feeling or a judgment already in us, to distinguish that approach from the less effective but still more prevalent ads that try to tattoo their audience with so-called key messages. From within or from without is the choice that faces advertisers. This bit of theory by way of background to the question I want to get to, which is have you seen the new IKEA ads about baby items? They resonate. One pic shows a mother with a baby asleep on her chest while the Smagora crib goes unused. The Bowman step stool is forgotten while mom boosts the child who is brushing her teeth. The antelope high chair sits empty while dad feeds a youngster on his lap. IKEA wants its audience to conclude that its extensions are poor replacements for human chests and arms and laps. As a young mum, Sheila held her ground against all the advice from experts that would have her babies held apart. Somebody from Ikea is in tune with that Sheila, who hasn't changed her mind on that question much as a young grandmother, as Ikea also somehow knows, judging by the antelope high chair by our dining room table. Number two, squeak. Here's my advice. If you're in a car in the afternoon rush hour heading south into the traffic circle by Sherbrooke Liquor with a plan to take it three quarters of the way around, just go to Sherbrooke Liquor and support local. Wait the gridlock out. For two full light sequences, I didn't move. Not an inch. Not the distance from one guitar fret to the next. The black pickup next to me wasn't moving either. Well, it was sideways, though. The pounding and pulsing of the speakers in the truck door surely reminded the driver at some mysterious level of his time in the womb. I turned to music as well. For me, it was the band Darling Side. Darling Side from the phonetic Latin for a writer's willingness to kill one's darlings. Sheila and I have been fans since experiencing Darling Side of the Folk Fest in 2019. I keep a screenshot from her text. These guys are great. Are you at six? She asked from stage six while I lounged on the big hill between sets. I trucked it over to six and have been listening to them ever since. 
Eliza I See is one of the early drip release songs from the new album, and it was that song that was my companion in the traffic circle standstill. Eliza I See. Is that a pronouncement of sudden vision like Eureka? Or is it a statement identifying the particular woman or girl who has come into view? I went around and around. Sheila's right, the song is a modern nursery rhyme. The song has finger squeak too. You know finger squeak. sound of the guitar player's fretting hand moving up and down the neck as a chord is changed. It's the sound of flesh on steel. It's it's a kind of acoustic metadata. It struck me as a sonic mark of authenticity, which I needed Tuesday afternoon in the traffic circle hell on St. Albert Trail and 118th Avenue. I see you, Eliza, Eliza, I see Number three, Cats. the cat belongs to our friends Cynthia and Murray as much as any cat belongs to its owners but in Julius's case likely even less we peddled over for dessert and coffee last week a lovely flourless chocolate cake was served Synth brought out a bowl of homegrown lemons we told stories from years ago while the smoky sun set not everyone was content to linger over coffees and conversation though Crouchy Julius the cat wanted out. Clever Julius the cat jumped up three feet to the back door lever, pulled it down to open the door, and would have been gone if Murray hadn't seen that getaway scene before. It was remarkable to see a cat launch himself straight up, manipulate a door handle, and hang there using gravity to open the door. Felines do physics, huh? It was the most remarkable thing a cat has done since the infamous episode years ago when Michael, our youngest son, as a boy, blamed a neighborhood cat for turning on and forgetting to turn off our backyard water faucet. We suspect it was Michael who left the water running, but cat-like, he has never confessed. What has happened over the years is that Michael has become a cat person. He and Alicia share their house with Holly and Hunter. They go for walks. The cats have leashes. His brother Alex is also a cat person. Alex and Kendra have Winston. Now, I don't understand cats, and I'm not fond of them, I gotta say. My grandmother in Winnipeg had an old, imperious cat. Pusinka, she was called. Pusinka was never happy to see us. She drifted through the house on Lansdowne like she had all the time in the world. It's strange to me that our sons are now cat people. I don't know where they got that from. I don't recognize that part of them, but they don't really care what I think about them and their cats, which is as it should be. And what do you really want for Father's Day? Does that sound right by you, Winston? How about you, Holly and Hunter? Okay, thanks for being out there, friends. See you next time. Thank you.